0: I'm even happier seeing Karen's face on screen so it's just beautiful
1: Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews I
0: just love moving teams and then you have to do an initiation Just love that moment in the sort of limelight
1: Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now
2: The Koi Gig pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support
0: Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. very proud of the the team's performance.
2: Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there
0: to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there and welcome to the 10th episode of the Coy Gig Pod, OTB's home of the Women's Super League, Irish Football and everything in between. I'm Kathleen McNamee and as always with me is the one and only Karen Duggan. Karen, we have reached our 10th episode. It's very exciting. I
2: know. (laughs) Who knew that we had this much to talk about?
0: I know. And who knew so many people wanted to listen to us talk about it as well? Well, That's
2: probably the biggest surprise now, people wanting to listen to.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The response has been pretty phenomenal since we had our first episode even every time I'm on Twitter I have people tweeting me about the show about different things they've heard or just even the listeners like seeing them come through every week it really does mean a lot and apparently we say interesting things.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That one's still up for debate I think we talk about an interesting topic anyway definitely.
0: Yeah definitely and I think it shows as well the like hunger that there actually is for more podcasts more writing more media coverage of these topics and the fact that so many people are so interested and i mean the guests that we've had on as well they've all been incredible um like i love last week we had russia Little john on katie mccabe we've had people from all backgrounds we've had Vera pal we had tom elm so from coaching to playing today we have a very exciting guest and the referee um michelle o'neill which is also great so we're getting like all elements of being a woman in the world of soccer and working in women's soccer and I I don't know I don't think I've ever really had an opportunity to sit down myself and listen to something so I don't know how interesting we're doing but I'm glad that it exists.
2: <laughs> yeah definitely it just offer, offers a, a different perspective like I'm really looking forward to talking to Michelle today because she's obviously been in the men's game and the women's game and obviously on the flip side I've, I've been refereed by Michelle and god as a footballer one of the things you wonder is why anyone would ever want to be a ref so that's definitely my first question for her because it's a thankless job really but she's really ambitious and she's gone from strength to strength in her career for at it and again she's really blazing a trail for women referees in this country
0: yeah always in my like slightly short but uh I'll say illustrious, (laughs) G.A. I definitely am going to have people texting him from St. Pat's back home now being like, yeah, Kathleen, you could just about solo them all. I always used to say I wanted to be a referee and everyone would just look at me and be like, are you crazy? Like, why? Um, So I'm definitely looking forward to talking to her about that as well. Uh, The Koi pod in OTB Sports is in association with Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. This week we'll be joined on the pod by Wexford referee Michelle O'Neill, as we were just saying, uh, who last summer became the first Irish person to officiate at an Olympic Games and is only the second Irish person ever to officiate at a World Cup so she's pretty cool I'm already kind of freaking out about talking to her but looking forward to it all the same uh, and why we will have her with us sadly this week we do not have Emma who normally does our team of the week but she has ditched us this week for I hope sunnier climates or something but <laughs> uh,
2: I think, think she's are done... first here <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: So I think she's just off having a holiday, but she will be back with us next week. So for now, you're just going to have to put up with Karen and I, analyzing another interesting week, another kind of slightly COVID impacted week of the WSL. Um, Arsenal and Chelsea both had games postponed, which for Chelsea in particular is really dragging out. I think the last time they had a game now was mid-December and they have a Conte Cup game against West Ham this week and then another game at the weekend but how do you think it's actually going to affect them not having played for so long?
2: I think it will affect them I think like you say you can't beat playing games um, and that's what they're all there to do so I kind of from a player's perspective you'd imagine that training all week every week in the lead up to nothing it's kind of disappointing and you might go into the following week then a little bit dejected if you think that things are still going to be the same following week because of covid and um chelsea to to their like i suppose you have to commend them the fact that they agreed to the cancellation. It was Everton who had like a lot of the cases and stuff. But, you know, if she was the shoes on the other foot, they would have wanted the same, particularly given the congested fixtures that they would have had. But it will be interesting to see how they do. You'd imagine Chelsea being Chelsea, that they will come back and they will win. But they would have wanted to kind of put that pressure back on Arsenal after they did have that loss to Birmingham. So it would be interesting to see how they come back. Um, they could just have a bit between their teeth and go from strength to strength, but we just can't really predict it.
0: Yeah, knowing Chelsea, I feel like it could be the latter. But also, as you say, like in these sort of times, it's really hard to tell. And I think it was in the Spurs game, if they had won it, they would have gone into second place. And obviously that would have been with games in hand for Chelsea. But it just would have given an interesting look to the table at this stage of the season, especially in what I think has been one of the most competitive seasons, if one of the most disjointed. And maybe it will change later on as some more of these games start to be played again but it definitely feels like it isn't being dominated by the big teams in the same way um and then you even look at say you see it with the transfers that are going through i mean this weekend we had some big ones with blacksonius going to arsenal after reports that she had been joining manchester united can imagine manchester united aren't that happy about losing a player of her quality i mean you saw her play in person when she played against
2: ireland and what does she bring to arsenal as a squad oh she's her movement and she she's like, almost as clever as medima but in a kind of a different way she'd be more direct kind of player and um, you kind of, it's kind of interesting as well is it- maybe they're going to change their style and go for kind of two attackers or is it just about strengthening the depth of the the squad but there's no doubting her quality she's a handful um she's someone who will score goals she'll bother defenders and maybe yeah just a a little bit more direct and that kind of physical player that they bring to their squad but a very very good signing and, and manchester united will certainly be disappointed to have lost out on her um like we kind of said with man united they are just two or three players short of kind of contending with the Chelsea's and and Arsenal's of this world and they're on a really good run at the moment but they do need to kind of bolster that you want to go in and say how many world-class players do they have Um, at the moment it's really Ella Toon who's kind of standing out and she's only 22 and you'd wonder how long they can hold on to her unless they make the step to become the top top team and um, so it'll be yeah interesting to see if they can uh start to attract those bigger names. Um Arsenal obviously are more synonymous with the women's game um having been around for so long and been so successful. Um but then again Man United are Man United so they're going to always have that draw.
0: Yeah I wonder with Arsenal so we were talking about this I think it was last week or maybe the week before about the fact that uh Medima had said that she wanted Arsenal to show that they could make those big name signings. I'd say like Basilius definitely is the sort of player that Feeds into that, but I wonder was she looking at getting more forwards in mm-hmm. or was she kind of hinting for more defenders? Because as we've seen with Arsenal, since they've lost Leah Williamson, that's an area that they've really struggled in. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, is it just a case of them? trying to fill in like should she leave this summer or is it them saying okay look we can still attract these players welcome in and you said there about Manchester United you know they're on great form they had a big win at the weekend 5-0 against Birmingham who are sadly back to their losing ways but I think that's four back-to-back wins for them now for Manchester United but they do have such a thin squad and I saw Mark Skinner talking about it and he was saying that you know they're, this is I think to, I saw those quotes came out today or maybe after on Sunday. And he was saying that they're still continuing trying to work behind the scenes and at attracting players in, uh, you know, working to get someone. If not now, then the groundwork will all be laid for the summer. But I just wonder what sort of player United are going to attract or how he's selling the club to those players, because I feel they had a real identity under Casey Stoney. And it's not that they they're not winning or doing well now but i just don't really know what the identity of this united team is
2: yeah it's a it's it's an interesting point like and that's not the first time he's mentioned the depth of the squad in his interviews when they did kind of lose to the to the bigger teams earlier in the season he did reference that that that's where they're falling down so yeah united need to use their name they need to use their prowess and they need to use the investment that they can get um it's it's time for a club like them to start flashing the the cash and getting that from the men's team. There has to be some sort of investment there if they do want to make the next step. And then that's a question for the club. Where did the club see the value of the women's team? Um, They've obviously done really, really well in the short space of time. They've been in the professional game again. Um, But yeah, it's it's always going to be who can they attract away from the bigger teams. Um, And at the moment, it's not going to be they're not going to outweigh Arsenal or Chelsea anytime soon, um, particularly not Chelsea, who obviously can pay large wages, as we've seen with the likes of Sam Kerr and then the difference that that's made to their squad. Um, so it's kind of a watch this space if they need to do something really, really big in the summer, or you can kind of see them maybe losing, losing a bit of um, field uh, on the top two.
0: I'm surprised because when like Lauren James went to Chelsea all the reports around that like unconfirmed reports but from pretty trusted sources were saying that that was one of the biggest money transfer deals ever actually done in the WSL so obviously United did get a bit of cash off that and whatever about the club I mean United had their troubles last season it was very well reported by the Athletic what they had gone through in terms of you know providing for their players you would think that even money like that would be around but Again, we I do have to asterisk this all the saying They had a very good win at the weekend. Yeah, really, really good win. who, despite the shock against Arsenal at the other weekend, are still struggling. Is probably the best. Yeah, How did you think, make of the yeah,
2: It's a good thing we don't have Team of the Week because Emma would have really struggled for Irish bias <laughs> this week. Um, there really wasn't a lot to show. Birmingham, they yeah they they just from the off. We'll give United the credit. They they took control of the game very, very early on um, and they were relentless. They didn't let up. They really attacked the game. But when you go one nil down, you really need to regroup and again, try and make yourself just really, really hard to break down. And they didn't have that structure in place. And again, they struggled defensively. And we mentioned it before, crosses were too easy to get in. So their, their defenses, it's there in numbers, but it's just a step off their player. United moved the ball really well they were kind of direct, they're quick um, they had really good phases of play in and around the box but but Birmingham just did need to get tighter and they looked fatigued after the 12th minute goal which is obviously difficult and the head started to go into their boots at 3-0 um, and United probably could have gotten a, a couple more e- either but yeah, United were very good in terms of just getting the ball out wide and whipping it in and really putting Birmingham under the cosh so they couldn't settle into the game
0: And I think, especially since we don't have a team of the week, special shout out has to go to Leah Galton on the day. She was very, very impressive for that United side. Probably what I found the most intriguing fixture of the weekend was Tottenham versus West Ham. Um, That last minute equaliser from West Ham. I don't think I've seen a player that happy to score a goal as Kate Longhurst was with that header. A very impressive header as well, the way she managed to just like loop it over the goalkeeper. But for anyone listening who doesn't know that much about her, she's like a lifetime West Ham fan. She's a season ticket holder. She gave this apparently like roaring speech before the match, before they went out to kind of say, you know, like this is one of our big moments to make an impact. And she was the one who made an impact with West Ham down to 10 players for that last 20 minutes. And like, to their credit, Tottenham probably played better for most of the match, but they just couldn't make any chances. And West Ham, when the moment like came, they took it and they probably deserved the win or the draw for that sake.
2: Yeah, yeah to be honest, it wasn't the most enthralling game to watch because West Ham got their tactics so right. They know that Spurs, at the, at the moment, are, are a better team than them. Um, but West Ham kind of gave Spurs a taste of their own medicine in terms of what Spurs had done to teams who were higher than them. We saw against Arsenal, they really sat in. Um, they were strong in challenges, really frustrated mm-hmm. Arsenal. And West Ham did the same to Spurs in this game. Um, they sat in, They even when they had 11 players, they, they weren't showing much attacking intent. But they stayed in the game, and that's where we look at Birmingham. They're not staying in these games. Whereas West Ham stayed in the game, stayed in the game, even when they were down to ten men, and um, there was no guilt-ed chances that Spurs missed. Now they obviously dominated possession. So they'll be disappointed with, um, with their turnover of shots on target. Um, but you do have to credit West Ham. They stuck on. They got an injury time winner. It wasn't pretty at all. Um, but yeah, Spurs will view it as two points lost. Um, but West Ham will be delighted with that point. It's, um and who better to do it than kind of talisman um and you saw from her reaction what it means to you and that's that's inspiring for players who come into the league who don't quite understand the rivalries and things like that yet like that's what we love about football those rivalries and we're seeing it now obviously in Spain Barcelona Real Madrid is probably the biggest women's game um in football this year just based on attendances and it's those things those things that grip the fans and and kind of boost the following and that's what makes it interesting and and West Ham served that up and you can imagine those videos of Kate Longhurst going around will attract more West Ham supporters to watch the next game um so yeah it's wonderful for for West Ham Spurs will be very very disappointed obviously as well to slip below um Man United in the table it's something we talk
0: about a lot that women's football sometimes it just needs a bit more or something it just needs a a few more rivalries and they need the time to develop of course but if players want to like contribute to that development and throw around you know some words during a match or whatever it is or scream down the camera like Kate Longhurst did I think it will definitely attract a lot more people and Man City's revival has continued another quite impressive win for them Georgia Stanway in particular was on fire for the match have we seen a complete change in their fortunes?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it's on the up for them. Um, like you say, Stanley is so impressive and she's really bounced back from that sending off. She got a lot of criticism after that, um, after the Man United sending off where it was a little bit reckless. But she's kind of been the spearhead of this revival. She scored in the last five. Um, she's involved in everything. But again, we saw Vicky Lozada was on the pitch. She popped up in a really advanced position to get, I think was it the second goal that she got and she was set up um, down the right-hand side. And I do, do think it came through, um who were the two that were? Steph Houghton, and then it went to Lucy Bronze. So they were the three we were saying, God, when they get them on the pitch, things could click. Um, And that looks to be the case for City. So, yeah, I think they'll be eyeing up that third place. I think they're only two points behind it now. Um, same amount of games, and they're certainly on the up. So uh, they look back, not quite back to their best because they'd like to be challenging those top two, but certainly on the up um, as we look towards the latter half of the season.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've been impressed with them. So I still feel like they're waiting for the kind of big challengers, but also they're definitely playing a lot better than they were against those levels of teams earlier in the season. And then finally, another great win for Leicester against Brighton. Definitely not what anyone expected, but I think it just goes to show that when a team does get that little bit of confidence and that little bit of a boost, they can go on and record wins. Obviously, Brighton at this stage are not doing all that well um, in their season, which is surprising and I think will definitely disappoint Hope, how we talk about like resilience and getting to a certain stage in the season. and. Being able to, you know, build into it, and that it definitely hasn't happened for Brighton, but we'll no. see what happens next week in the whole thing. And um, if you have any opinions, suggestions, or thoughts on who should we, who performed well this week, who you think in particular that we should be talking more about, are Man City back on track, are Man United going to fail by the fact that their f- squad is quite thin, please do get them into us on Twitter at Off the Ball using the hashtag gig. Joining us this week is referee Michelle O'Neill. Earlier in the show, I went through your extensive record, Michelle, which is incredibly impressive. Uh, Karen and I were both kind of like had to take a moment and sit back ourselves and like relax at the idea of the amount of stuff that you had dug. So it was tiring us just to think about it. Um, but thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure to talk to you about your career. How are you doing?
1: Good. And um, look, thanks a million for having me. It's a pleasure to come on board. Um yeah, I'm I'm pretty great um already pre-season,
0: so good to go. How are the legs feeling? I know Karen was talking about preseason last week too. I sadly have not been partaking, but I'm happy to listen to you guys <laughs> complain about some sore legs.
1: <laughs> yeah, um well we actually just completed our referees fitness test uh, over the weekend. We had our seminar. Um, all went great and uh, yeah, so we're ready then to get into the games next. I'd like ask you to uh, sub in for
2: me on Thursday because I am not looking forward to our <laughs> fitness testing. <laughs> I had, oh, a I had a good Christmas. Had a good Christmas. It's
1: all in the mind. Yeah, it
2: actually, it actually is because if you put a ball out in front of me, I think I could run. But just straight running, no, not a fan, not a fan.
1: You'll be fine. I've seen you run. You'll be fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michelle will definitely be diving into you seeing our Karen play <laughs> later on in the podcast. I think there's definitely gonna be some stories or maybe some incidents there that we all no need no. to hear. Karen's no had too, <laughs> too many friends on the podcast, I feel
2: like it's all about balance.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly (laughs) um suppose, Michelle before we like go into everything that's happening at the moment and everything you have achieved most recently I just want to ask you a little bit about how you got involved in sport in the first place I think just from some of the interviews I've read with you previously you know soccer and football wasn't always the main sport you were kind of trying lots of different things
1: yeah I suppose um in very early years I just I had this, um, I just wanted to play sports no matter what it was. So in the very early years of athletics and Irish dancing, <laughs> to be honest, I think that's where I get my strong legs from, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and look, it was whatever was available at the time. Um, you're going back and not going back in the years. But um, look, I ended up having to play a lot of sport with the with the male. Um uh, teams because there was no female teams available until I was about uh, 16 so then that's when I started playing the Gaelic football and camogie and then into to soccer football as I call it so um, yeah so then it just no matter what I was doing I was fully dedicated to so and it was just a big passion and it's a big part of my life So I even went on to college and did sports in college because then I said, well, if anything comes out of it, I can re-educate my own self to get fitter and better. So, you know, it was always about
0: sport for me. And have the, obviously the fact that you've now moved into the more referee and then like the legal aspects of games, is that always something that interested you when you were actually playing them? Or was that more something that came later on when you were looking maybe to not play it and compete at the level that you were, but still wanted to be involved in some way. Although I would kind of argue as well that having to be a referee, you definitely have to cover a lot more of the pitch than the players do sometimes. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, it was more of what you said last there. Um, I mean, no one ever starts sport to become a referee unless, you know, you're more exposed to it in a younger age. Um, if your parents or your grandparents or you're around referees, For me, I never it never crossed the thought earlier in my career um, as a player to become a referee. But I always was one of them players where the referee knew who was they were on the pitch. The referee knew I was there, and that was me. (laughs) I was questioning everything, constantly asking why was this happening, why did I get a card for that, and I was one of those. So then, because I'd always then say, well, I learned from that. I won't do that tackle again and then, you know, stay on the pitch. So I always pushed the referee to the limits and then, you know, knew what what was, you know. So I was kind of interested then to go forward and then learn more about the laws of the game. Uh, But it was really kind of my push to, you know, I was on the county squad and I wanted to, I just kept playing. And the more opportunities I got to play with the county team, I kind of didn't want to give up my boots then as a player. So I kind of went a little bit later in life than uh like referees are coming in earlier nowadays um, in, in terms of age. So um yeah, when it was time, there was a big change and a big shift in age group in terms of I was playing with kids 10 years younger than me on the pitch still. And you were kind of like, oh my God, maybe it's time to, to move on in careers. So Yeah. And um, a fellow referee now actually just kind of said, look, beginner's course next week, go ahead and do it and try it. So I did. And the rest is history, so to say, you know, um, it was probably the best decision I made
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because I still, I, I'm now representing my country at a level in the sport I love. And uh, it can't get any better than that, you know. So it's huge opportunity. And uh, yeah, I'll never regret the decision, so.
2: It's interesting that you say that you are one of those players who questioned referees, um, but that you did it because you wanted to know more and you wanted to learn more. So when you get players questioning you now, it probably makes you a more kind of understanding referee in that you'll actually give feedback on the pitch. Um, and I think that's a big like, thing that I get frustrated with is if I do ask a referee a question for a decision I genuinely don't understand, and I don't get a response. I think that that just kind of riles players up more. So is that something you're taught, or is that just something you got because you've played, you've been in that position? Um, yeah,
1: that, yeah, that's a personality trait. Um, as a referee, you're, you're taught a lot of things and mentored in a lot of different ways. But this is a pure personality thing I bring to referees, refereeing, because that was my, like, that was my pet peeve as well as a player. I'm like, why did I do that? Why was that a free kick? Or can you explain this? And, you know, um, we're human at the end of the day as well. So, yeah, if I can explain, if, it, if, I, if a player comes up to me, though, and all guns blazing, I'm not going to interact with that behavior because that will add to the behavior. So it's all about behaviors as well. So I will give you the the best explanation I can. And why that decision was made, but sometimes if you don't get a response, it depends on the heat of the moment, the situation you're in, and you're not going to add fuel to the fire. So if it's defused, and then at a later time in the match, then you can ask again. You know, it 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 really depends on on that, but it's a personality thing that I bring into my game.
2: Yeah, and as you say, like there's a lot more. Your younger referees coming in now, and they maybe haven't played the sport in the way that you have. Um, do they come to you for advice, or do you kind of reach out to them, or what's kind of your relationship with those younger referees who are coming through?
1: Yeah, it's a great system we have um, in among our our our, our colleagues, and um, we have mentoring systems as well. So you you will be paired with a younger referee, and you know as the uh, the league is progressing, then you're with three. Uh, referees and four referees on the pitch so then you also have your debrief and your discussions around the match and you know it's always great to give one good aspect to their game and one aspect to improve on their game so then going into the next game then you look for did they understand what I was saying or can I teach them a different way so You know, we also have the development programs in place and we also have seminars and we, you know, we do meet. It's not like just turning up and doing a match. We do our homework and we do our, our, um, you know, different courses. But yeah, I mean, I try to mentor as much as I can because that's another aspect that I like to do. And it feels like you're giving back your experiences to the up-and-comings. So it's like a big circle and a big community of referees that we're in. And we have different societies as well as the, the you know, um, the different groups that you're in training. Every week you turn up, you talk about uh, your match incidents, like situations without calling out names or anything like that. So it's just hypothetical situations as well. So the younger referees will learn that way as well from the older experienced referees. So it's a it's, it's good system. Very
2: good. Um, yeah, so I guess then on the flip side is that when someone is kind of in your face and stuff like that, do you ever think, oh, or do you ever look at like rugby referees and say, okay, well that's, that's kind of what we wish we had. I wish that it was that kind of system. Um, and do you think we'll ever kind of get towards that? I'm just kind of thinking, so before Christmas, um, I was on that PFI video that was the, the no ref, no gain campaign. And that was off the back of, um, youth leagues when there was abuse and and threatening behavior so is that something you've experienced or do would you prefer the rugby model um in order to kind of move away from that um or what's your kind of view on on where that is at the moment do you think it is getting better or worse um well Lucas, um, it was great that
1: these did that campaign and that's exactly what we need i mean um like i can't comment on exactly what was going on Mm -hmm. that's we've always we could never do that but to be honest like no ref no game and zero tolerance is going to be had I mean that is a great message to put out and yes you can see the rugby referees the the respect that they get but think about it that's going on for years you Mm -hmm. know going on for years and years and years you see the history of football where it came from and how it's trying to change now so change doesn't happen overnight but it i'd like it to happen quicker to be honest you know so the more that the campaigns of uh, like before christmas the more education the more uh, emphasis on no ref no game and zero tolerance the better outcomes we can have in the future um you know but yes that you can see the difference in the the, the different disciplines but that's that's everything it's it's a different sport completely
2: and yeah it's a culture thing really yeah
1: it's total culture yeah but that's all we can do going forward is is really push you know what if you don't have a ref you don't have a game and a story yeah. so yeah thanks for doing that by
2: the way <laughs> i think i've i, I owed it to you after you've had to listen to me for a long time <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so Michelle you talked a lot there about like mentorship and I suppose developing respect in the game and developing players like to make sure that they understand because as you were saying Karen that you always appreciate when a ref would actually tell you something and I also of my short playing career as I was saying earlier I always appreciate as well when a ref would tell you you did something well like if you did a good tackle and they were like okay right well that was good do that again or otherwise do you think that I know you said that it's very much your personality and that's why you do that but do you think that if that was brought more into the ecosystem from like an earlier age for both referees and players that we would see a slight shift towards maybe a different attitude towards referees because arguably they are the people on the pitch that get the most abuse out of anyone else
1: yeah I mean look I can only speak towards my experience and when I started my career we all start in a beginner's grade five and you have to work your way up through the whole system all the way up to elite level UEFA FIFA so as a young rec- referee in terms of years refereeing and um, on the under 10s that's when I fell in love with refereeing to be honest I mean my first game was 210 games and under 12 games after where I ended up teaching the kids how to do a throw in properly, but giving them the second chance, like they do a foul throw here, try again, but this time do this, 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 and this. And then they do it. And because it's the non competition, um, it was gave you the little bit of freedom to do it. And then you encouraged, Oh, well done. And you'd see the kid then the next time and never make a mistake after that, because you know, it got a little bit of encouragement. So that's only my own personal experience, and I, I really, you know, the interaction between the the younger players, and you know, if they don't see you as a full enemy then, and it does then. Hopefully, that the, when they grew up through the ranks, they will be a better player. Um, so yeah, I think it it should be in grassroots and all the way up through, um, the respect. I mean, there's loads of respect campaigns out there and you know that at the end of the day yes it's like the the laws of the game are there and that's what we're here to uphold um but again you know uh there has to be that little bit of give
0: in both directions
1: Um,
0: and yeah and i think it's something that is it's an important subject for us to touch on this week in particular, considering everything that has happened in the last week at home with the murder of Ashley Murphy and the fact that we're watching these vigils happening across the country. We're seeing a lot of conversations being started at both a national level and even an international level. Like i based in London there was vigils over here and one of the elements that comes up quite a lot is sport and it's respect in sport and that being very much like a fundamental learning ground for everyone when it comes to respect and treating people better and how we possibly haven't always achieved that in the past and I don't know how you feel as well Michelle because you obviously work in a very male-dominated atmosphere in the same way I do like my office and um, was mostly all men this podcast is probably the only time every week that I have that I actually sit surrounded by women and talk about sport and love it um but I just wanted to ask you about your experiences and that context and how you found it is it a case of a lot of the time it's coming from outside of your control and outside of the control you know it might not be the teams you're working on or the teams that you're actually refereeing it could be fans it could be people outside stadiums I just wanted to ask your perspective on that
1: yeah so I mean going from um, because I suppose I grew up playing a lot with with in boy sports and stuff so I kind of had maybe a bit more mechanism of to handle and a bit more thick skin to be able to handle say outside um uh comments or uh, you know just different kind of um I had a different kind of mentality I suppose and more of a resilience um that you can't really teach somebody so I mean when I came in on board then in the referee and in the whole environment was so respectful towards me it was just amazing to be honest um so your colleagues treated you the same, we're treated the same, we're treated equal inside in house. Um the very same as you said yourself. Um you know it's up to me to come up to the level of competition in terms of fitness. If I want to be in men's football, I do the men's fitness and and then you totally get the respect of your colleagues. Um so most of the, the what you're saying comes from outside. It's outside of your own control. So the outside interference. I mean, on the pitch, the players. In, in fairness, I have a hundred percent respect back from players in the in a, in the the male sport. Um, most of it comes from the outside, uh, the 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 spectators and 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 beyond. Not all, not everybody. I mean, it used to be worse compared to nowadays, but you know, it's still there, and it shouldn't be there. And you know as I said, change can happen overnight, but if we're doing stuff like this and to be able to make awareness out there, it's huge, like making campaigns and making people aware of, yeah, it's still happening, guys, you know, can you do a bit more to cut it out? Um, That's huge and that's nice to know that that's there. Um, And it's the same with, I mean, you're talking about um, Ashley there, um, it was horrendous what happened and You know, we have vigils down here in Wexford also. And and it's great that you can see the community coming together again. But again, you know, more has to be done. Um, And it's the same when I go out training. Without even realizing, I would uh, end up uh, changing my running route just so I'm visible, you know, without even realizing. It's kind of ingrained in us um growing up um but yeah it look there is great campaigns out there as i said to change to be awareness and it's all about awareness and if you you have to speak about it it's the same as as women in sport if you can't see women in sport it's not happening you know you have to be able to see change
2: yeah you constantly have to be knocking on the door and you say oh that's a terrible thing you know that women have to keep asking for everything they're not just giving it but if we want to see the change you just have to keep going at it and like I say that kind of transcends um all areas of sport and, and life and stuff it's just because we like I say we started from behind and soccer is starting from behind compared to rugby so um yeah. the change is kind of just has to be put in people's faces before it's actually going to be realized
1: yeah and just to touch on that I mean you remember a couple of years ago when we did the when UEFA selected us, um, Stephanie Frappa, me and Manuela mm. Nicolosi for the the Super Cup final, that was huge in in terms of women in sport. That was huge because we were selected as match officials and not been identified. Like I mean, just pure statement of we're match officials in in the Super Cup game, and it was just amazing in. And we knew the significance of that final because we were the first trios ever in history to be in that final uh, male uh, final. And we um, we knew that that would open doors and opportunities for females in sport around the world, not just in Europe, but around the world. And it uh, it was just an electric kind of moment and and an amazing um, point in history to change. that Yeah, and that was the opportunity UEFA gave us. So it's up to, also, it's up to yourself to take those opportunities and, you know, get out there and work hard and dream big and keep pushing and just keep having the resilience to keep going for what you love and dream for because, you know, that that moment, real, like, we realised that, you know what, the impossible just became possible for everybody. And that's what we said, and that that's always a, a special moment in, in in my memory.
0: One of the things I loved when you were going to the Olympics last summer, I think it was an interview maybe with the Irish Times or something, and you were talking about it, and you were saying that you know the Olympics was something that you always dreamed that you would be at as a as a or as a sports person. And you got there and you got to represent your country and you've done all these incredible things. You kind of said it earlier, you alluded to it earlier as well. You've got to represent your country and do all these different things, but in a slightly different path that you ever imagined as a kid. But it kind of said to you to not give up on those dreams. It doesn't really matter. Path changes, you can get there. And I'd say the experiences you have have probably slightly been bigger than you ever could have actually dreamed when you were a kid. Because I think your world when you're that age it's small and things are seem important and you don't realize all the different ways that you can make something like that happen for yourself and I just I love that I just thought it was such a important thing for especially like young people to hear to know that okay well if one pathway doesn't work out for you that doesn't mean you're never going to represent your country or you're never going to appear at a world cup it might just be in a slightly different way than you ever dreamed
1: yeah I mean I uh, look at it it was an amazing realization as as I said as a seven-year-old kid all I could see was that you know uh, thinking I was going to be an athlete somewhere on the Olympics but never thought I'd be a referee so yeah the the paths can change so much there's so many different pathways you can go down and you don't realize it as you said you don't realize it as a kid but if you just keep dreaming about it and, and always dreaming about it and visualizing it and just, you know, you always know it's there in the back of your mind. And to, there's just, there is something out there for everybody. You just have to find it. And, and, you know, once you have the passion and the, the dedication and the, the work ethic, you just go for it. You know, you never know. <laughs> after that entirely
0: beautiful and sincere Mm -hmm. moment I do have to ask you what is it like refereeing Karen Duggan on a pitch we've heard many things
2: I'll answer that (laughs) very quiet easy day
0: yep no problem (laughs) I will get some stories at some stage Karen I will continue on my quest someone is going to crack one of these days and they're going to give me a good story
1: (laughs) I oh, know it's it, it's look at, it's good it's you have your referees hat on she has her players hat on so we get on get in there get the job done isn't it not
2: isn't that right that's it well also I'm a completely different person on and off the pitch I just like to put that out there <laughs> much, much more reserved off the pitch um but like I say it's the the give and take part of it um I think you understand that referees aren't perfect at the same time you're not perfect on the pitch and um, you can realize when you've been hot-headed and kind of have comes with maturity as well that maybe you you step back from those situations or you apologize after um but again, I think that even us as players we can probably we, we don't talk about the referee ever at training and maybe that's something that we should address even in preseason okay before we go into this season, let's think about how we want to represent our club and ourselves on the pitch and uh, so that's probably something that we can do better because like you said, you're doing all the work in the background and you're doing everything you can. So um, it's also up to us as players to kind of um, just do a little bit better in, in that respect.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we all learn and like as referees, we've done our homework on the teams. We know what type of players you are and we have the tactics of the teams. So we've done our background and we like um, know what what the history of the clubs, we know what we're getting into. So, I mean, it's it's I know some of the top clubs around the world, they do their homework on the referees also. And, you know, it just gives them more of an insight of how we're going to represent our club, as you exactly said it. Um, do you know um, how are we are going to approach the referee? You know, what type of style the referee is? You know, so it, it, it works both ways as well. And, you know, you never know, you, you might have a different game, a different outlook it, coming into the game. And, you know, we don't, we just take it then as it comes, you know, you get in and whatever we're represented from you guys, we're there. And the first and foremost is the safety of the players and then implement the laws of the game. And then once we come off the pitch and then you're not talking about us, we've done our job, you know so
2: yeah that's, that's what very we don't true watch that's yeah. very very true yeah so. <laughs> that silence is probably the best thing that can come out of a match for a referee yeah. uh, yeah. I really think about it that way that's a really good way to put it though
1: so now you've you've learned something already <laughs> I'll be bringing that to
2: pre on Thursday if I can breathe <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us um, an incredibly insightful chat and something that I've actually never interviewed a referee before in my life. I think I've re- interviewed every other single person that is involved in a match so it was actually a pleasure to talk to you and I know you've certainly inspired a lot of people with your career path and I know that there's probably a lot more great things to come so we can't wait to see what that is and best of luck with the rest of the season and I suppose with the rest of the next few years
1: as well. Oh, <laughs> thanks a million,
0: no it was a pleasure to be here, thank you so thank much. You. Uh, um, that is it for this week's Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland Women's National Team. 10 episodes in, we're still going strong and we still have plenty more to come. So please do keep tuning in every week. It really does mean the world. Thanks to Michelle for her time and to you, Karen, as per usual. I look forward to teasing you a little bit more next week about that pre-season. See how then, you got on. If I'm alive, if I'm alive. This is all
2: <laughs> <little asterisk. laughs> she's
0: little Emma will be back with us next week for her Team of the Week which is very great and thank you all for listening we will chat soon
2: the koi gig pod and otv sports in association with cadbury a player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support